0: Hello and welcome to Grace Lutheran Church sermon podcasts. On this podcast you will hear the latest sermons taken from our weekly worship service. Our hope is that you will find joy and comfort in knowing the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. According to the last verse of Mark's Gospel, the reaction of the disciples at the resurrection was fear. Closing verses say, and they said to nothing, and they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. What were they afraid of? What made them feel uncomfortable? Well, a dead person raising back to life? Someone stealing Jesus? Of all the commands throughout the scripture, the phrase most used is don't be afraid from Old Testament through the book of Revelation 365 times one for each day of the year that describes all humanity perfectly beginning with Adam and Eve who hid themselves in fear from God our sin both inherited and what we do leaves us stripped naked To live in a world afraid. We seek comfort. We want to be in control. We don't want surprises or we freak out. Even my bird, all creation, Paul says, my bird takes a bath in my hands under the faucet. But before he goes down, he has to make sure there are no other birds. He's going to be in a vulnerable position, being wet, not able to fly. Creation is afraid, we're afraid. What does fear do? It paralyzes potential, it ruins relationships, it sabotages success, and it hinders happiness in both our lives and our spiritual lives. Being in control of your life and your surroundings makes you feel comfortable. On the other hand, the lack of control in your life, your surroundings makes you uncomfortable. When you live confident by faith, you're comfortable, but you're uncomfortable when your faith is shaken. Do you live by the comfort of your faith or do you live in fear? Uncomfortable of the unknown, the disastrous possibilities of which you do not know the outcome. Resurrection of Jesus made everyone feel uncomfortable and afraid. The disciples locked themselves in an upper room, not out of joy, but out of fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of Rome, fear of what would happen to them, fear of the Jews, perhaps fear of God himself. They had no control of what had happened. They didn't know where Jesus was permanently as they saw him here and there. What brought this all about? In their small box of reality, there was no room for anyone coming back from the dead. So they figured Jesus was stolen. Our gospel for today puts us on the road to Emmaus, where a few disciples left after the soldiers crucified Jesus, they didn't really stay around to confirm what the others saw on Easter Sunday. They were comfortable even though they were sad. The outcome did not shake their world. Death was an expected outcome, a familiar outcome. But when Jesus revealed himself to them, they became uncomfortable, uneasy. It shook their world. It was so uncomfortable that they went back immediately to Jerusalem at night on the roads that were dangerous. Could this be true? They had to see. But they were afraid of what might happen next when they got there. If this news of Jesus' resurrection is true. The first century Christians lived by faith, not by fear. They were comfortable and relied on their faith to overcome fear of the unknown as they faced constant persecution and death. They had a choice. They could have remained in the upper room afraid of the future, or they could go out and live fueled by their faith in the gospel. Instead of hiding in fear, they chose to live by faith. We're here today because of their decision. They were not paranoid of persecution and losing their life. They were prudent. They had took a calculated risk guided by their faith, which brought them comfort and brought to us the gospel message. It's a big difference between legitimate concerns of death and persecution and being overwhelmed to the point of inaction and paranoia. Put another way, there's a big difference between prudence and paranoia. Prudence wears a seatbelt. Paranoia doesn't even get into cars. Prudence saves for old age. Paranoia stockpiles and hoards for it. Prudence calculates the risk and takes the plunge. Paranoia never jumps into the water. Though the early church had legitimate concerns about their lives and comfortability, God's gospel caused them to live prudently and not paranoically. We hear in Luke where Jesus says, whoever saves their life will lose it, living paranoid. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it, being prudent. They were not paranoid of death, renouncing their faith to save themselves. They were prudent, accepting the unknown risk of losing their own lives as they had faith in the outcome of their salvation. You want to live comfortably by faith. I want to live comfortably by faith. Secure and in control of what goes on in your lives, including your church life. Many times, comfort comes not from faith, but from those things to which you cling for security in the world. Things you can control when your world is shaken. One usually takes a calculated risk only if one can imagine a successful or anticipated positive outcome. And so preserving comfort. Case in point. As a Christian, you believe and trust God. Though you find comfort in his love and salvation, when your world is shaken and disrupts your comfort zone, you pray, of course. But then you imagine the most disastrous things that could possibly happen. Failure. It won't succeed. Your fear creates in your mind the possible disasters that you will face. Your choice, however, is live in fear or live by faith. You can lock yourself in your room and never go out, be paranoid that anything you try will fail, or you can live your life prudently by faith, knowing the risks that exist in the world, but taking the risk in faith, knowing that God always saves has you in his hands, and you are safe. As this happens in your daily lives, so it happens in the life of your congregation. You are comfortable in your faith as you express it through worship and ministry in this beautiful sanctuary. You are surrounded by the traditions which over time have built this community of faith, the fellowship of those together with whom you have built an extended spiritual family of faith, all the memories of activities and congregants who have moved on or who are now sainted. But as these things change, you live in fear instead of faith. You could not imagine ever losing your surroundings. Your fear... (coughs) You fear losing the comfort and familiarity that it brings. You've not been down this road before. What might happen? What disasters might threaten my comfort? The future is unknown. And what about your faith? Is that future unknown as well? Your paranoia may cause you to give up, leave, look elsewhere. The choice is yours. You can be paranoid and circle the wagons, surviving in fear in the upper room until the inevitable and imagined end occurs, or you can be prudent in your faith, calculating the risks of loss and being uncomfortable in life, but living in faith to move the mission of God forward into the future the way the early church did. Our journey for the next few weeks is to move from paranoia to prudence. From cowering dread and high anxiety in our personal life, as well as church life, to a greater and more robust trust and confidence in God. These are the options. Fear, false evidence appearing real, or faith forsaking all I take him on the evening of the first day of the week as we read the Easter story when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews it says in John the disciples were called to live in faith forsaking all I take them I take him because Christ rose from the dead Christ slam dunk death and defeated the grave, but the disciples chose to live in fear. False evidence appearing real. The false evidence appearing real was that Christ was dead. That's false evidence. On Easter, Mary Magdalene fell at his feet. Then a group of women saw him. That afternoon, the Emmaus disciples talked with Christ, and yet the disciples chose the false evidence So fear herded them into an upper room and they locked the door behind them. Fear paralyzes potential. You stay behind locked doors for fear of something, you name it, rejection, loss, failure, abandonment, loneliness, the list can go on. What do you dream of doing, but are afraid to try? You obsess over two words, what if. What if we fail? What if I fail? What if they don't like me? What if I lose? What if I'm rejected? What if the whole thing turns out to be a disaster? And so your lives put along at half speed. Because of fear, you not only paralyze the potential in your life, but in the life of the church as well. It's easier to remain and preserve comfort than to entertain any possibility of change that would make you feel uncomfortable. You don't want to ever think about this building being sold. This building is just a building, and it will pass away. But you are the church, and God's church, like his word, will never pass away. Perhaps we should read that verse from Luke 9, 24 in this way. The church who seeks to save their own life will lose it. And the one that loses its life for my mission will find it. Fear ruins relationships. The greatest threat to intimacy in any relationship is fear. Why am I afraid to tell you who I am? I'll tell you why. Because if I tell you who I really am, I'm afraid you'll reject me. Afraid you won't like me. Afraid that you'll judge me. So I never tell you. I'm never honest and open, transparent or vulnerable. Instead, I hide. I play games. I cover up. How many times have we heard this line? I'm afraid that I might get hurt again. This carries over to your relationship with God as well. How many times might I get hurt again when I fear God is not on my side? You can fear that relationship, not wishing to reveal your true feelings about him, your doubts, your shortcomings, in fear that you will not please him or that he would get the wrong impression of you and your faith. Well, no worries there. He knows who you are. You can't hide. I can't hide. Like Adam and Eve in the garden where fear made them hide from God, the relationship was broken, and so is ours. Fear sabotages success. Fear creates what it fears. Think about it. The fear of becoming like your mother causes you to focus on her so much that you become like your mother or father. The fear that you can't keep a commitment keeps you from making one wholeheartedly. So failure is inevitable. The fear of growing old causes you to prematurely grow old. The fear of poverty causes some to make risky investments that causes them to lose the little that they have. Fear does that. You end up living like slaves to your self-created fear. Fear creates, or fear creates what it fears. Fear is the basis of world religions. Out of fear, civilizations created their gods and idols to deliver them from their fears, making sacrifices and worshipping them think about it what's the great monsters of the deep that we may read about in mythologies the great monsters of the deep the krakens were created from the fears of the fishermen who were out on the deep who projected their fears to mythological monsters these gods often looked like the very things they feared in nature around them third fear fourth fear hinders happiness Alfred Hitchcock once said, I turn my fears into horror movies. The fears in your lives play out as horror movies. You watch them over and over again as you think about them and planning and playing in different scenarios. There are no happy endings in that. Well, what can move you from fear to faith? John says in his letter, Perfect love casts out all fear. And you are loved perfectly. And your congregation has and always will be loved perfectly. Christ's perfect love crushes all the false evidence that only appears real. Don't be afraid. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Don't be afraid. He stakes his claim on you in baptism. You are his. Don't be afraid. He shows you his love by giving himself to you in the Lord's Supper. Don't be afraid. And he crushes all the fears that threatens to paralyze your potential or ruin your relationships, or sabotage your success, or hinder your happiness. Don't be afraid. He has ultimately secured your success in Christ. Don't be afraid. When fear overcomes your decisions, he calls you to live out your potential in him. Confess with Paul, I am able to do all things through the one who strengthens me. He calls you to enter your current and new relationships with his love. As we hear, perfect love casts out all fears. Don't be afraid. In Christ, your happiness is secure. John reminds us at the beginning of his first letter, we are writing to you these things about Christ so that your joy may be complete. And so he invites you to confess Forsaking all, I take him. Let's confess that together. Forsaking all, I take him. Amen. To know more about Jesus and our ministry at Grace Lutheran Church, please find us at www.gracealoneonline.org. You'll find additional sermon podcasts and your favorite podcast channel every week at www.gracealoneonline.org forward slash sermons.